Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This uh, discussion is going to be section 71. I shall first read the heading. Nice to have these uh, summaries of what these uh, sections are all about, isn't it? Revelation given to Joseph Smith the Prophet and Sidney Rigdon at Hiram, Ohio, December 1, 1831. The Prophet had continued to translate the Bible with Sidney Rigdon as his scribe until this revelation was received, at which time it was temporarily laid aside so as to enable them to fulfill the instruction given herein. The brethren were to go forth to preach in order to allay the unfriendly feelings that had developed against the church as a result of the publication of letters written by Ezra Booth, who had apostatized. I'll read you a little bit more background about this section. This revelation directs Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon to set aside the labor of translation on the Bible for a time while they went forth in defense of the restored gospel. This was required by the deluge of falsehoods that had been spread by Ezra Booth, who had the dubious distinction of being the first apostate from the youthful church to take up the pen against it. That was by uh, McConkie, or Joseph Ely McConkie in the Restora- Revelations of the Restoration book. At the date of this revelation, uh, the 1st of December, 1831, the saints did not yet have means of publicly defending the church when it was under attack from critics and apostates. Those who were willing to listen needed to hear uh, viewpoints other than those of the unbelievers. Ezra Booth, a former Methodist minister who joined the church when he witnessed the healing, turned apostate and wrote nine letters against the church. The letters published in the Ohio Star at Ravenna, Ohio, Highly critical, and the prophet Joseph Smith wrote that they, by their coloring, falsity, and vain calculations to overthrow the work of the Lord, exposed Booth's weakness, wickedness, and folly, and left him a monument of his own shame for the world to wonder at. Booth was not the first to apostatize, but he was the first church member to write anti-Mormon literature and publish it. A church conference was held on the 1st of November, 1831, during which it was decided to print and publish revelations given through Joseph Smith to strengthen the saints against the attacks of critics and apostates. Once the arrangements were made for publishing the revelations, Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon resumed work on the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Meanwhile, the agitation caused by Ezra Booth had grown so serious that on the first day of December, the Lord called Joseph and Sidney from their work of translation to proclaim the gospel to the world. They left in haste for Kirtland, Ohio. As Smith and Sodal observed, Um, Sometimes it is wise to ignore the attacks of the wicked. At other times, it is necessary to meet them fearlessly and with ability. So let's get into verse 1. Behold, thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants, Joseph Smith, Jr. and Sidney Rigdon, that the time has verily come that it is necessary and expedient in me that you should open your mouths in proclaiming my gospel, the things of the kingdom, expounding the mysteries thereof out of the scriptures, according to that portion of of spirit and power which shall be given unto you, even as I will. Early I say unto you, proclaim unto the world in the regions round about, and in the church also, for the space of a season, even until it shall be made known unto you. Verily, this is a mission for a season, which I give unto you. 
Wherefore labor ye in my vineyard, call upon the inhabitants of the earth and bear record, and prepare the way for the commandments and revelations which are to come. Remember that missions back in the day didn't have any specific length of time. Uh, sometimes they were just a few weeks, sometimes a few months, uh, other times years, but uh, this won't. This mission won't last uh, as long as a lot of them have. <clears throat> verse, uh, continuing, I'm going to read a, a, a narrative here about verse 4. The most effective way to defend the gospel is to declare it. Truth stands on its own and carries within itself the evidence of its own authenticity. As Christ will have the victory over Satan, so every truth will ultimately triumph over its counterpart, whatever its source may be. Knowing that falsehood cannot hold its own against the truth in open display, the ministers of darkness of necessity must first shade it, shade or distort the light of heaven. Only then do they dare attack it. It is for this reason that ministers of other faiths will never be found telling their congregations to read the Book of Mormon and then prayerfully ask God if it is true nor would they allow the other revelations of the restoration to be tested by such a standard. For that matter, neither are their own doctrines to be subject to such an examination. Yet did not the Apostle Paul counsel as to us to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good? And again we would ask, should we not hold in suspicion the merchant who will not allow his weights to be inspected? That was by uh, Joseph Philly McConkie. Preparations were being made at this time for the publication of the Book of Commandments, the first compilation of revelations received in this dispensation. Virtually from the time of the death of the Meridian Twelve Apostles, the historical Christian world began to teach that God no longer speaks, that revelation has ceased, and that no one can add to the canon of Scripture. The announcement of a new canon of Scripture, one that not only stands as an equal with the revelations of the Old and New Testament, but that supersedes them as the voice of God to those of our day is a spiritual earthquake, the likes of which the world has rarely seen. If such a thing be admitted, then every doctrine given birth by either men or devils must tumble to the dust, as indeed they will. No single doctrine poses a greater threat to priestcraft or false religion in any of its forms than the announcement that God has chosen a new Sinai on the American frontier and a modern Moses by the name of Joseph Smith. And that was again by Joseph Elon McConkie. Verse 5, Now behold, this is wisdom. Whoso readeth, let him understand and receive also. For unto him that receiveth it shall be given more abundantly, even power. Section 71, verse 6 states, I will give unto the children of men, the Lord said through the prophet Nephi. Oh, sorry, that's in the Book of Mormon. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel. For they shall learn wisdom, for unto him that receiveth I will give more, and from them that shall say we have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. To the principle taught here by Nephi, the Lord now adds the promise of power, which is to be granted to those willing to hear, them, hear his voice and continually add to their understanding. It naturally follows that as we grow in the knowledge of the things of the Spirit, we will also grow in faith and in spiritual power. Thus, our ability to discern and teach the truth will increase, as will the power with which we teach it. And again, by way of contrast, for those who say they have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. And that was by Joseph Hill in the Con Verse 7. Wherefore, confound your enemies, call upon them to meet you in both public and in private, and inasmuch as ye are faithful, their shame shall be made manifest. As the experience of tens of thousands of missionaries attests, Little, if any, gospel teaching is accomplished when we engage in debate or in scripture bashing. Nevertheless, in some situations, a confrontation may be unavoidable. 
circumstances which called forth this revelation are one such instance the directions given in this verse are understood to be confined to such instances and are not the standard way of presenting the gospel in his instruction to the nephites christ said there shall be no disputations among you as there have hitherto been neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine as there have hitherto been for verily verily i say unto you he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me but is of the devil who is the father of of contention and he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another behold this is not my doctrine to stir up the hearts of men with anger one against another but this is my doctrine that such things should be done away when we forthrightly declare the truths of salvation as restored through the prophet joseph smith it will generally have a much greater effect on the hearts of men than if we place our focus on refuting the many falsehoods that have been perpetuated against the Latter-day Saints or against our doctrines. <clears throat> Joseph Smith recorded that from this time until the 8th or 10th of January, 1832, myself and Elder Rigdon continued to preach in Shalersville, Ravenna, and other places, setting forth the truth, vindicating the cause of our Redeemer, showing that the day of vengeance was coming upon this generation like a thief in the night, that prejudice, blindness, and darkness filled the minds of many and caused them to persecute the true church and reject the true light, by which means we did march towards allaying the excited feelings which were growing out of the scandalous letters then being published in the Ohio Star at Ravenna by the before-mentioned apostate Ezra Booth. The <clears throat> Painesville uh, Telegraph stated that Sidney Rigdon, the vice regent and champion of Joe Smith, was thrown out of, thrown out of challenge in the Ohio Star to Mr. Booth and Deacon Ryder, who have renounced the Mormon faith, to meet him in mortal combat of words on the subject of the Gold Bible. Ryder refused the invitation. Sidney Rigdon wrote a letter published in the Ohio Star on the 12th of January, 1832, in which he charged Simons, like the worker of iniquity, he sought a hiding place. Let the public remember when he goes forth against, again to proclaim his, his assertions, against the Book of Mormon that he has been invited upon honorable principles to investigate its merits and dare not do it. Verse 8, Wherefore, let them bring forth their strong reasons against the Lord. Verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, there is no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Isn't that a comfort to know that no matter what people try to do against us, they're not going to be successful? What success can one enjoy when fighting against the kingdom of God or the truths of salvation? Such victories will be but temporary, their glory but for a moment. Satan was granted power to bruise Christ's heel, but the sure promise is that God's Son will crush his head. None who properly bear the name of Christ go forth with a promise that is less than that. The victory will always rest with truth over falsehood, light over darkness, good over evil, and love over hatred. Subsequent to this revelation, the prophet would yet open or would yet pen these words. The standard of truth has been erected. No unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent, till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear, till the purposes of God shall be accomplished, and the great Jehovah shall say, The work is done. Our enemies have never done anything that has injured this work of God, and they never will. I look around, I read, I reflect, and I, and I ask the question, where are the men of influence, of power, and prestige who have worked against the Latter-day Saints? Where is the reputation for honor and courage of the governors of Missouri and Illinois? Where are their people to do them honor? They cannot be found. 
Where are the men who have assailed this work? Where is their influence? They have faded away like dew before the sun. We need, we need have no fears, we Latter-day Saints. God will continue to sustain this work. He will sustain the right He will we, if we are loyal, if we are true, if we are worthy of this gospel of which God has given us a testimony. There is no danger that the world can ever injure us. We can never be injured, my brethren and sisters, by the mortals except ourselves. Brother Busan Makaki explained the usual role of debates in the work of the church as follows. Except under very unusual circumstances, debates play no part in the approved system of presenting the message of, the, of salvation to the world or of persuading members of the church to accept a particular doctrine or view. Almost always a debate entrenches each contestant and his sympathizers more firmly in the views already held. In the commotion that followed the publication of Ezra Booth's anti-Mormon letters, the Lord commanded the elders of the church not to debate, but to directly refute the falsehoods and lies that had been published. President Joseph Fielding Smith explained, quite generally, the Lord counsels his servants not to engage in debates and arguments, but to preach in power the fundamental principles of the gospel. This was a condition that required some action of this kind, and the Spirit of the Lord directed these brethren to go forth and confound their enemies, which they proceeded immediately to do. As their enemies were unable to substantiate their falsehoods, and were surprised by this sudden challenge so boldly given, much of the prejudice was allayed and some friends made through this action. Verse 10, And if any man lift his voice against you, he shall be confounded in mine own due time. President Harold B. Lee said that what the Lord is trying to have us understand is that we will that he will take care of our enemies if we continue to keep the commandments. So you saints of the Most High God, when these things come, and they will come, this has been prophesied. You just say, no weapon formed against the work of the Lord will ever prosper, but all glory and majesty of this work that the Lord give will long be remembered after those who have tried to, tried to be, be fooled or befoul the name of the church and those of its leaders will be forgotten and their works will follow after them. We feel sorry for them when we see thing, these things happen. That was by Harold B. Lee. Verse 11, wherefore keep my commandments, they are true and faithful, even so, amen. Makes me wonder uh, when he talks here about that all things will, will be confounded, those that are, that are against us, that maybe if Joseph Smith hadn't uh, given up the uh, 116 pages of manuscript that the Lord would have stepped in and uh, done something to uh, thwart uh, what Martin Harris's wife was trying to do. Anyway, I bear testimony of the truth of these things, that the gospel's true and that uh, this is true true revelations that came from our Heavenly Father to us. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.